Good morning, everyone. We're in Matthew 7, still our Lord, giving us such great counsel. In verse 1, it says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. There are many passages in the Bible that echo um, being very careful about judging. And here indeed it says to us to, to not judge. For the most part it says that. You might recall at the end of the verse, uh, that section 1 through 5, you hypocrite first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So there is a place for us for the sake of ministry, for the sake of helping people, if they are in sin or in error, to, for the sake of, again, guidance, that we would go to our brother and help them. The thing is, is that we're not supposed to do it in a spirit of righteousness or a spirit of pride, uh, although we have everything right. And we may even need to say, hey, listen, you know, I, I want to say something to you. Um, that I've noticed, and I, I'm doing it because I love you and I care about you, and I'm also doing it knowing that you know what I've I've got my own um, issues. I am by no means perfect, so I come to you with humility. Um, you may even share what you struggle with, um, and th that's the that's the thing. Sometimes you know, sometimes we can easily see what someone else is doing wrong because it may not be an area that we struggle. But we have other, you know, areas where we may struggle with sin. Um, so we need to come. Here. Let me let me read to you some other passages uh, regarding uh, judging. Some that say kind of the same thing. Um, James four eleven. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who sp speaks against a brother or judges his or judges his brother speaks evil. So we, you know, we have to be very very careful about how. We do this, and that we have uh, the right heart. The right heart. Um, therefore, you have no excuse, O oh man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. That's Romans two one and three. But listen to this. You know, this is the the right way, um, where it's not just for the sake of judgment or like we're condemning someone, but rather for the sake of ministry. Galatians six one, brothers, if anyone is caught up in any transgression. You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. See, so the purpose is out of humility and gentleness to come on, to come along some side, someone and help them. Um, listen to 1 Corinthians 2.15. This is important. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. So, what I want to say is that as a man or woman of God, we have to make judgments all the time about what is right and wrong. It is perfectly right and correct 
to declare sin is sin, to co- to declare what is good is good. What we're not supposed to do is lash out slander on other people and make quick, harsh judgments about other people that have no heart or ministry mindset about it. When we go to someone else regarding a sin, it should be because we love, it's a spirit of gentleness, and we want to help. It's not just to throw out slander or judgments. But indeed, we do need to make judgments about what's right and wrong, what is sin and what is not, uh, in, in our world. Um, so that we can stay away from sin and what is wrong and, and do what is right. And the spiritual person makes those determinations, discernments spiritually all the time, every day. We have to you know, discern what to do and what not to do, what is right and what is wrong. Um, but the purpose of coming to one another is ministry and not just purely judgment. That we need to stay away from. We need to keep our mouths shut when it comes to slander and judging other people for the sake of judgment. All right, let's move on. Do not give what is holy to dogs, and do not throw your pearls before swine, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Um, We have to be, you know, what does it say, wise as serpents and innocent as doves. we have to know the crowd we're in. We have to know, you know, who we're ministering to and what may or may not be appropriate as far as um, ministry to others. Um, you know, I think we ought to be like generous towards the poor as an example, but there, there's some foolishness to it too, right? I mean, if someone is just intent on doing evil or doing wrong, um, to, you know, say, give someone, oh, I'm just going to give you $2,000 that is going to do nothing but evil with it. We have to be a little wise about that. Now, you know, I do think we want to help people meet people's needs and everyone's a sinner. So I'm not saying that we don't give to other. This is also saying, do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine. You know, uh, it's a hard one, but I, I would just say to, be careful to know the audience that you're in when you are ministering, uh, and you have to kind of uh, minister to to where those folks are at that you're with. And uh, yeah, so you know, it, it, I, you I wouldn't also give ministry responsibility, significant ministry responsibility, or or tr- you know we shouldn't trust people with ministry that are not living for the Lord. Um, that would be giving something holy to someone who's not prepared to to honor the Lord and live out that role. So we have to kind of know our audience in order to know how we minister and what we how we allow them to get involved in ministry um, based on where they're at spiritually. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. This reminds me of the book of Revelation where it says, I stand at the door and knock. And he who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. 
it's as though our Lord and Father is waiting to hear from us, and He does respond to our prayer. And we we've seen this in some of the Psalms of David, where, well, you know what? Maybe sometimes it's not immediate, but yet David's trust was in the Lord. Sometimes he was wondering, "Where are you, God?" But then he said, "But my trust is in the Lord," and and essentially He's going to see me through here in this life or in the life to come. Let's keep going, verse nine. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? You know, I really do think that when you love the Lord and when you live for him, and when you allow time to pass and you you stay faithful and I, I know we're human and we're imperfect but when when really you are devoted to him i really do think over time you see god answer your prayers you see god bless your life you see god bless your family and you know the times in my life where things didn't go well it was usually because of my sin or my decisions and or you know maybe even in a ministry sense if things haven't been going well you know god had a lesson for me there was something that he wanted me to learn and but if you stick with god and you continue to be faithful and you say god i want to learn and what do you have to show me god what do i need to know god how do i need to change and you you seek him and wait for him, I believe you do see God's blessing if you stick with him. So many of us are just so caught up in sin, though, and I don't necessarily mean, you know, you all in the church, but in the world, and, and you reap what you sow. And when you sow doubt and sin, you're going to reap destruction. And when you sow the things of God, there is blessing, and God answers our prayer, um, you know. Uh, I, I just believe it. I'm thankful to have the Lord in my life. He's been good to me, and I've seen him be good to my family, to uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Just hang on, though. Hang on in the valley. Keep your faith in the valley. In everything, verse 12, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you, for this is the law of the prophets. It's really a good rule, the golden rule. Um, you could read it in Luke 6.31 as well. But in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. What a good thing to apply. Um, I feel like I need to think about that more. Um, just just think about that. How would, you know, like when you're in a situation, you know, how would you want to be treated in this situation? Uh, how would the Lord want you to treat others in that situation? And treat people accordingly. Treat people in that way. Um, I think I think more about maybe what the Bible says and how I should treat people according to what the Bible says. Um, but this is saying treat people the same way you want them to treat you. So it's okay to think about you know how would how would this make me feel if someone treated me this way, or how would I want to be treated and let me treat others that way. Lord help us. You know, it kind of reminds me of what would Jesus do bracelet right, but only different. Um, it'd be like 
how would I want to be treated in this situation? Like that would be kind of make that a more auto question in our lives when we have to interact with someone. How would I want to be treated? And then use that as um, wisdom to how to treat others. Good word. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Boy, what we're going to talk about next as we go through this chapter, and I, I just, <laughs> you know, I talk about this kind of stuff a lot. And I, I want to make sure that I conduct myself honorably, rightly, according to the word. I want you to know that I believe in election and predestination. I believe that God knows who are his. I believe that he has elected. Now, I'm not going to get into all that today, but I also believe that a person who's saved reveals it through how they live their lives. Uh, a tree is known by its fruit. You know uh, that I talk about fruitfulness a lot, that God didn't save us to to have us stay the way we were. He saved us to live a transformed life. And he saved us for good works, not because we're saved by him, but because he wants us the fruit of good works. He wants us to live for him and do good things for him. And that's so very evident in the scriptures. And um, you know what? I don't think the common man really has a problem with this. Like the common man doesn't need to sit and figure out how this is all reconciled, but you'll have people who are really dogmatic in Calvinism that really struggle with talking about fruitfulness or good works or really the rest of this chapter would be things that I think a a really strong Calvinist would be like, this doesn't fit my doctrine very well. Whereas to me, it fits perfectly. Like, meaning I take, I always take the whole of scripture and I don't have to perfectly reconcile it. I think every, all of it's true. Uh, we're supposed to do good works. We're supposed to bear fruit. We're supposed to live our lives. That what we do matters. I think it really matters a lot. And yet, God knows who are his and we're saved by grace through faith and not of works. So like, yes, I know that's true, but it's all true. It, it's, a, it's a big snowball and you don't have to be, uh, you know, all or none. You can, you can take in the whole council. The problem is, is we think that we can Christy, crystal clearly define all this. And, and that's when I think man gets ahead of God and says man knows better than God, whereas we just need to take all of God's word, revere all of it, believe all of it, and then just do what it says. And that's how I look at it, and I really think it's the best way to look at it. So let's see what it what it what it says next. So like in that passage it's talking about how few are really saved and you know that's kind of interesting. Um you know it it would it would sh it would show that you know sometimes we think too many people are saved sometimes we we make it almost like everyone who casually just says oh yeah i believe but really is not born again really doesn't have jesus as lord really isn't living for him 
we just kind of go to the default, well, everyone's saved. I, I think there's a lot of pretenders out there, and, and that's what we're going to see here. Listen to verse 15. <clears throat> Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Now listen, you will know them by their fruits. <laughs> oh boy, I, you know you, you know how much I talk about how um, you know, you'll know a tree by their fruit. Um, whoever remains in me, he it is, will bear much fruit. Um, you know, God gave us the mission. I created you in my image and likeness. Be fruitful and multiply. I really believe it's a cover-to-cover -cover concept in the Bible that those who are saved live for the Lord um, and want to bear good things for Him and, and impact other people for the glory of God. Um, Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so then you will know them by their fruits. You know, and, and Jesus in John 15 says the same thing. You know, every <clears throat> every branch that does not remain in me is like a branch that is thrown away and put into the fire and burned. And here we see the same thing. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, if someone who's saved and born again and has God putting in them, you're not supposed to be able to put God inside of people and then not do something good. You're not supposed to be born again and not produce fruit. It, it, it's like this is what a, a real Christian does. A real Christian lives for the Lord. Um, and so this is saying that, you know what, if, 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 if you are a tree but you have no fruit, maybe you're not even saved then, right? Maybe you're not even saved um, because here it's cut down and thrown into the fire. Um, so... That's how serious God is about us living for Him and bearing fruit for Him. It goes on. Listen, this chapter is very much in this way. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. And that sounds very works-oriented, right? And this is kind of what I'm saying as far as a Calvinist might not like this stuff. But, you know, again, you're not supposed to put God in someone that, and then have them not do anything for the Lord. Like there should be a motivation and incentive and a desire to serve God when we're born again. And if we just say, you know, yeah, I believe, but there's no fruit, there's no evidence in our actions have changed, then maybe we're not saved. <clears throat> I think that's a very real concern. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And honestly, what this makes me think of is a lot, not everyone. There's so many genuine charismatics. There's so many great people who love the Lord who are charismatic. So I love charismatics, but also there's a lot of false there's a lot of fake prophets. There's a lot of fake apostles. There's a lot of people parading themselves around as though there's something special. And, and, and they may not even really be born again. They may just like the 
fame and fortune of acting like they have some kind of special power in them, and really they're corrupt. And and I'm not saying this about all, so don't don't like misunderstand me. There's a lot of great charismatic people. Um, you might not agree with them on everything, but they really love the Lord. But there's a lot of fakes too. There's a lot of fakes and imposters and false apostles, because uh, some of them will call that. There's women who 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 you'll go to these websites for apostolic ministries, and there's women who who call themselves capital A apostle, some woman, you know, like, and they put themselves on par, almost like they're one of the twelve disciples. There's just so much falsity in 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 that that I think that's what's happening here is that. These people who go around parading these things, uh, and, and some of them, they don't even know Jesus. Now, there are great ones, too, that really love the Lord. But uh, this is what the Word is saying. This is what our Lord is saying. So uh, know that there's a lot of fake Christians out there and fake charismatic Christians. Moving on. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Now, we're talking about where you build. You know, are you building your life on Jesus and his word, or are you building your life on the sand? And a house that's built on the sand can easily fall. A house built on the rock will survive. But the question is, is what does it mean? What is Jesus saying here? What does it mean to build your house on the rock? What is he saying that equivalates to in the human life, building your house on the rock? Let's keep going. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them. See here, we're talking about actions again. We're talking about taking the word of God and saying, I'm going to live by it. So everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, does not act on them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and great was its fall. But the one who built on the rock and does the words of God, he he is the one who has a strong foundation. So isn't it interesting? Um, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them is wise and is built on the rock. So, you know, what you think and believe should shape the way you live and act. And if we don't live and act as though we believe in the word of God, then maybe we just don't believe. Um, and, you know, our actions should follow the fact that the Lord is our Savior and our actions should reveal that uh, we're built on the rock and that we are living to bear fruit. Um, and uh, praise God that our lives are so much more effective and productive and they matter and they make a difference in other people's lives as a result of the fact that Jesus Christ lives in us. Hallelujah. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. <laughs> Interesting. When they heard Jesus, they could just see the power. They could see the truth. 
They could see the lack of fear. They could see the authority in his words. And, you know, we too should rely on and proclaim Jesus's words as though we believe in them. We need to be men and women of God that, you know what, when you study the word and you, you are rightly discerning the word of God, proclaim it authoritatively. Proclaim it uh, believing in it. Uh, because that gives power to it when you add faith to the Word of God. And uh, Jesus was a good example to us to preach it and preach it clearly. Now, where we need to be humble, we need to be humble, you know. Uh, and I want to say, as I close this passage, you know, this passage by Jesus focused a lot on works, practice, what we do, and on bearing fruit. You know, but all of this only comes through the fact that we've believed in him and he's begun to do a transformative work in our lives. Yes, I believe that we're saved by grace through faith, that when we believe in him, the Holy Spirit comes and resides in us and we're saved because we believe in Jesus. And if we abide in him, if we make him our Lord and Savior and do the kind of things you guys are doing by reading the word and sticking with him, remaining in him, he will produce that fruit in us. He says so. Read John 15, 1 through 7. He will bear fruit through us because of the fact that he is in us and we're tapped into his vine and he's giving us nourishment and he's making fruit come into our lives. So praise God that he even does that for us. And it's important. Um, man, I love all of God's word and all of Jesus's words. And uh, man, it's beautiful. Uh, God bless you all.